Hey Sudbury, Dave Kurt, broker of record with Lake City Realty, coming at you with another episode of the Sudbury Real Estate Podcast. We built Lake City. We built Lake City on rock and so build Lake City. We built Lake City on rock Love it. We've got two weeks in a row. I know it's been extra busy with myself and my schedule, so I apologize about taking some time off there, but I love to be back on the mic with you guys today. And last night, guys, I this time of the year, I always get charged up. It's an election uh, season. It's I'm, I'm always a political person in, at nature. I remember following the political scene right from a young kid. Uh, I, I still remember the first time my mom brought me to the polls. Uh, I, was, I think it was in grade four at the time or grade five. And it, it's still stuck. It's a memory that sticks with me to this day. And in turn, I do my best to involve my kids and explain with my three little ones what, what's happening on election night. And lately, we've been driving around Sudbury and, and Lively where we live and we're looking for what quote unquote team signs they're seeing in people's yards the last few weeks. They're, they're talking about that's the blue team and the orange team and the red team. Uh, they've noticed themselves that there's been quite a few of the orange team's signs and, you know, take that for what it was, but that's clear indication of that what, what of some foreshadowing about what happened last night, both in the nickel belt and the Sudbury proper, the NDP took the, took the reins there. Honestly, I've got a few friends that actually that that put their name forward for an election in Southern Ontario, and it takes guts, it takes hard work, a desire to see your community do better to put your name on that ballot. So ultimately, I give full props to everyone who was running in the election. Congrats to Jamie West and Franz Jelena locally who, who with their big W's last night. It's uh, it takes a lot of of effort and time to to put your name forward. So props to everybody that actually that stood up and did it themselves. I was shocked. I like I I always love it. Put the kids to bed. Nine o'clock. I knew the polls closed, and I had my news, the, my no, local news coverage ready, tuned in for the start of the polls to be rolling in. And I was shocked to see how quick they were able to call that Ford majority government. I think I checked my my watch. It was nine nineteen p.m. So nineteen minutes after the polls closed, that they had already predicted the Ford majority government. The other takeaways from last night's politics: the low percentage of voter turnout. Ooh, I hate to see that. I, I really try to promote voting. It's it's our it's our duty, our civil obligation, I think, to, to, to get involved and to, to have our voice heard. I tell my staff, feel free to take time off during the day or to leave early to make sure that they get their vote in. And I think I heard last night that the voting turnout was about 33%, which is a, a low. I don't know if that's just a sign that Ontarians are feeling political fatigue or if they felt like their vote couldn't make a difference on the ballot, which, again, is still no excuse in my opinion, but it was frustrating and a little bit disappointing to see how low that turnout was. The other part that kind of surprised me about last night was both defeated party leaders stepped down after last night's results of the election. I guess Liberal leader Stephen Del Duca, after losing his riding for the second straight election, realized that he isn't inspiring the turnout of the Liberals that they need, but I was more surprised to see Andrea Horwath, who from the NDP's, she's been there 13 years. I've done a lot of political lobbying in my time, uh, my involvement with real estate. And she's always been that face that I've seen, you know, going back at least a decade from how long I've been involved on the scene. And just ahead of NDP's, I think that she's done a great job to bring them from where they were to where they are today. Uh, as the orange team from, as my kids would call them, have made some serious gains under her leadership. 
but they just seem to fail to break to through that next level. And I guess after the most recent PC majority that they're facing right now, I think she sees the party that just needs new leadership and a fresh, fresh face to get them where they need to go. Back to real estate, though. And wow, what a week it was from a real estate and the economy standpoint. We had the Bank of Canada increase the overnight rate again this week. Another half point. A move that wasn't unexpected at all, but one that could have had some continuing cooling off of the entire economy. The most scary part of these raises in the rates is that it doesn't seem to be slowing consumer spending yet. The money that consumers were used to living on and the lifestyles they grew comfortable with over COVID years most likely have been continued through credit cards and line of credits. This is a path that could put us in consumer credit bubble and I'm not an economist, so don't listen to me and rely on my insights, but it is a slippery slope we find ourselves in. It's something that I've done a ton of reading and research on and I've given a lot of thought to what this would look like and how this would affect the housing market locally and nationally. Reflecting back on our stats from the last seven days, so we had 57 sales in Sudbury, another eight deals are conditional or pending. 45 of the 57 deals were in multiple offers, which is right around 80%. 83 new listings this week. Yeah, that's a big jump. And 212 total listings on the market this week. And that's up from 181 just last week. So that's a big jump there as well. But I'll get right into it. What are my five takeaways of the week? Takeaway one, the massive jump in total listings this week doesn't surprise me. But it is still shocking to see the number on paper. There's only four weeks in the last two plus years that I've been tracking stats that we've seen a total listings over 211. And it just so happens that it was last June, we had that spike as well. This time around, I don't see demand jumping up to meet the number of new listings like we saw in the market in, in July and August of last year. I see listings continuing to increase as sellers hear that the market is shifting and try to get their homes listed to see if they can catch that, few mar that marketplace of a few months ago. My big bold prediction right now is that we're gonna top 300 listings by the end of this year. And if I looked at the last two years of data, the previous high for total listings was 236. Takeaway two, the stats are in for the month of May and I'm, I kind of pour over and nerd over the stats and one of, my, one of the numbers that I always look forward to reviewing most is the average monthly sale price. I tend not to like this stat as it's a 30 day snapshot of what, and it can be influenced by one large sale or a couple of small sales. But at the end of the day, it does show a true indication of what the uh, what the, the temperature is and, and what, what deals and what price points are moving the most. And that's why we have the average for it. Looking at the numbers, so January of 2022, average sale price was 462. February, which was probably our peak in our marketplace, we jumped to just below $520,000. That's the highest number we've seen ever in Sudbury on a monthly average sale price. March, we fell down to 473. So we went from 462 to 520 to 473. April, we were back at 507. And then May of this year, we're at 488. It looks like February is the peak. It's an interesting that March took that big pullback with April again being over 500,000 average price point. But looking at May, we are down just shy of 5% from April's number. So month over month, we're down about 4%. I have some strong thoughts on where this is going, and I'll try to touch on this in my summary. But with buyers seeing increasing rates now and in the future, I think that we've hit the high appreciation for this year and maybe the next couple of years. Takeaway three is the other stat I love to review on a monthly basis is number of new listings versus number of sales. 
I did a quick chart and you can follow, like if you guys subscribe to my newsletter, you can see where I broke down the charts. But January, 2021, number of new listings, 194, 157 sales. February, 2022, number of new listings, 275 with 207 sales. March was 344 new listings with 264 sales. And then April was 386 listings with 236 sales and May 436 listings with 289 sales. I know me throwing numbers at you over a podcast doesn't help. So again, feel free to subscribe to our newsletter and you can see the chart that I break it down. But but the first three months of the year, we were averaging about 50 more new listings than solds. That's flipped completely in the last two months. And we're three times that number. Now coming in about 150 more listings every week than we every week every month sorry than we have sales. This is a delta that I fully expect to continue at least throughout the summer as people typically wait till the summer to get their house on the market. But don't get me wrong, I think the buyers are still searching and in places are still often getting going into bidding wars. Again, looking at the numbers, almost 80% of the sales were in bidding wars this week. But the shift that is playing out is that buyers are now more picky than they ever have been before. If your house is only okay or so-so, a lot of buyers are saying it's not worth it for them to jump on it. The biggest pool of buyers right now is that first-time home buyers who have been priced out of the market for the last two years but are finally seeing some cracks in the armor and saying there's some opportunities to put offers in this marketplace, maybe even with conditions or at least not having to rush into bidding wars. We've seen it play out time and time again with people in our office over the last couple of weeks. Takeaway four. The one trend I think we're going to come to see to come to a screeching stop in the next six weeks is the holding off offers and the extreme underpricing. Currently in this market, we are seeing only 50% of the homes that have offer date actually get offers. It is absolutely crazy that I'm having conversations with sellers in other offices about this and like sellers that are approaching me and saying, what's going on with this marketplace? And I tell them that's that and they're like, what? I didn't realize that. The fact that sellers are on the market and not aware of that is completely mind blowing to me. I think I think that the other change that we're going to see in the next with the volume that we're seeing where we have that big delta in new new listings to sales every week is we're going to see this go down to 25% of homes having offers on offer night in the next few weeks. I think at the end of the summer we're going to look back and realize the advice as agents we are giving to hold off offers will be seen as a mistake in most of the listings, not necessarily all, but most of the listings. The other trend that's going to start to go away is that underpricing. And like, like first and foremost, like I feel for buyers. They see these places. They're like, at first, especially when it started happening, they're like, oh my gosh, I can buy this house. No, you can't buy it. The seller's really expecting a hundred thousand or hundred fifty thousand dollars more. I'm having these conversations with buyers that are coming in town this weekend, that are saying, oh, this looks like a great opportunity, but really, it's an artificial price on a lot of these homes. This is pure frustration. A lot of parts of buyers, and I think it can actually hurt some sellers who. When they hold off for offers, if they don't get their offers, they relist at what they see as fair market value and actually might be fair market value for the marketplace. But they've left a sour taste in a lot of the buyers that are looking. And those buyers will avoid looking at those houses in the future. Takeaway five, my weekly summary of where does the market go from here? I've recently been spending more and more time on Twitter and I love the instant real-time updates and the ability to keep a pulse on the momentum and shifts in trending topics. I think it's my favorite social media platform that I'm looking at right now. If you follow real estate Twitter in the last few months, especially those vocal influencers in Southern Ontario, you would think that the sky is absolutely falling. With prices 
they're come down at $100,000 per month for the last four months. So prices are down $400,000 if they were buying in the winter snowstorms of January and February. I've given a lot of thought to where values are going to be going locally. As much as it's nice to see what's happening in Toronto, we have to remember that all real estate is local. We have seen prices pull back, as we chatted about earlier, we're down about 4% month over month right now, sitting at just under $490,000 of value. I think that we're gonna continue to see this soften, not necessarily fall off a cliff, but definitely soften as we can continue on through the summer. I think buyers are going to be afraid to pull the trigger based on what might come in the future. Interest rates we know are gonna continue to go up and with that, payments will increase as well. The bigger question on my mind though, is are sellers going to feel motivation to sell at what they might be perceived as lost value compared to what prices were a few months ago? That's going to be a big indication of how desperate the sellers are in the marketplace. The other reason that I could see prices crack would be if buyers have pushed themselves to the brink of affordability with buying the last few months. Don't get me wrong. Me and my wife have good jobs, like we, we've done well in our life kind of thing. But if I was buying a house at $1.3 million in Toronto, that's a crazy amount of cash and payments that I would have to come up with. Where locally, we had buyers stepping in to buy at six fifty dollars or seven hundred. dollars Is this pushing these local buyers at six fifty dollars price points to the same limit of affordability as it is in Toronto and the GTA? Maybe. It may be well, very well that our wages are not what they are down south as well as the loans from bank and mom and dad that are happening in down southern Ontario and the GTA are massive compared to what they would be maybe in Sudbury. If locally we've been pushed buyers to their maximum affordability, I do think that we, we are put in a position where we could see some cracks in the armor and our sale prices could come down in the future. But my overall hunch is that locally buyers haven't taken on the same debt to the same extent as our friends in the GTA. As a small correction may be in order, I think that long-term, there's so much strength and positivity and bearishness on Sudbury, or sorry, bullishness, not bearishness, on uh, the local marketplace with natural resources, nickel prices being at an all-time high. There's so much development in the mining industry locally that's going to be a strong part of our local economy for the next decades. These are the reasons that I think the correction that we're going to face right now might be a soft one, not like they're experiencing in the rest of the province. Well, that's just my two cents. I'm not sure if you agree or disagree, but I love to hear from you guys either way. I love when you reach out. Let me know you're listening to the pod. Thanks for tuning in, Sudbury. Excited to chat with you next week. Until then, we'll see you later.